never miss the water till your well runs dry. Till your well runs dry. You never miss Joe Turner till he says goodbye. Sweet. And we're back. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. This is Dump on the Ump, ostensibly a baseball podcast. Tonight is Tuesday, December 7th, 2021. 80th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. Coming at you from Champaign, Illinois, my name is Joel. With me tonight, as per usual, is Sam. Sam, how's it going? Uh, Hey, Joel. I'm doing well. I'm coming at you as usual from Brooklyn, New York. I have a hot take tonight. Has to do with the uh, 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. A little backstory on this hot take. The United States government has announced a diplomatic boycott of the Beijing Winter Olympics, which means American athletes will still go to compete in the Olympic games, but The government will not send any officials as official representatives from the U.S. government to the Beijing Olympics. So my hot take here is is that if I'm an American athlete competing in the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympic Games, I'll have my head on a fucking swivel because basically the U.S. government has told the Chinese government to go fuck themselves, and then is not sending any sort of government officials along with the U.S. delegation to China. So it's just going to be like a bunch of athletes and trainers going into China with a pit to a Chinese government event with a giant pissed off Chinese government. And as we all know, when the Chinese government is pissed off at athletes, it has no problem with making them disappear, right? We talked about that already on this podcast. So yeah. if I'm an American athlete, I'm watching my back all the time. Yeah. And COVID is real. Like, uh-oh, 98% of American Olympic athletes suddenly all got COVID at exactly the same time <laughs> in their compound in Beijing. Don't worry, they're in a hospital in China somewhere. Like, you can't talk to them, but they're fine. Like, they're just in the hospital. Here's a picture of them having brunch. <laughs> a picture of them having brunch. Don't worry, they're fine. <laughs> like, it's clearly summer in Miami is where this picture was taken. <laughs> uh, yeah. When is it? So that's next February? Yeah, I think so. Okay. That'll be interesting. Coming up. Right, because they didn't have the 2020 Olympics at all. Right. Hmm. Where were those supposed to be? Tokyo. Yeah, Japan. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Yeah, okay. Well, we'll see what happens with that. That's a good one. Uh, oh, wait, sorry. What? The U.S. is doing a diplomatic boycott because of China's human rights violations in uh, the Hong Kong protests, the... Uh, kind of Muslim concentration camps they have over there. And then also the tennis star who's now disappeared. Like. Who we were just making jokes at her expense. 
Right. So that, that's why there's a it's that's just a typical background on why there's a diplomatic boycott. She got disappeared after reporting sexual abuse from a government official, correct? High ranking government official, I, yeah. Government Chinese official. Chinese government official. Right. So we can make jokes about that. It's kind of tough to make jokes about Muslim concentration camps. That's tough. Well, Hong Kong protests. I could probably get some good jokes about that going though. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So my, what protests? There were no protests. China is a unified front. China, yeah. No. Everyone has perfect uh, political and human rights freedoms in the glorious right. Republic of China. Right. <laughs> uh, what's, the official, what's the official? Yeah. line of Hong Kong protesters, according yeah. to the Chinese media. Yeah. According to the Chinese Communist Party. <laughs> uh, we need to get Patty back on the uh, podcast. Man, I'm worried about him. I don't want him to come. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe we should. <laughs> go ahead and say, I'll wait until he's back in the States, then we can have him on the podcast. <laughs> Hey, everybody. My name is Joel. I'm coming at you from Champaign, Illinois. Related note, or kind of on the same uh, issue as what Sam was talking about. College football season is over. The Oregon Ducks, my college football team, lost in a very pathetic fashion in the Pac-12 championship game to Utah and then lost their coach, Mario Cristobal, to Miami. So he will be coaching at the University of Miami beginning next season. My hot take about this is that this is entirely funded by the CIA smuggling cocaine out of El Salvador, laundering it through their investment in Bitcoin and chan channeling it to the University of Miami Athletics Department for the sole purpose of hiring Mario Cristobal as the next head football coach. That's a hot take. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a big board on behind me. Everything is connected. Do you research? Yeah, exactly. You have a deep conspiracy theory <laughs> bulletin board. It's just a bunch of cosmopolitan cutouts. With and pictures of the Oregon. With pictures of the Oregon duck with a bunch of question marks drawn around. <laughs> He's involved somehow. So, okay, I got a couple questions about this. First question What kind of name is Mario Cristobal? Is that Brazilian? Cuban. 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 And he's from Miami. He's from Miami. He played, he was offensive lineman for the national championship teams in the 1980s and assistant coach for the not-so-great teams in the 2000s. Right. Hmm. And I'm actually not mad at him for making this decision. Right, he's getting paid $8 million a getting year. He's a lot of money. It, apparently, like, his mom lives in Miami, and she's sick, and so he's been visiting her a lot. So, like, you know, be close to his family. That makes sense. And he played for Miami. That makes sense also. Well, I, I mean, he's not going to be as successful. I, I don't think there's – every coach at Oregon has been very, very successful in the past 15 years. No coach at Miami has been very successful at all in the past 15 years, and I don't see this actually changing that. Right. 
So is that a public university, University of Miami? I, I think so. That's a good question. Yeah. I think it's a public university. I'll look that up. But one thing that is true that's not a conspiracy theory is that they are using this higher, uh, they're paying him with funds raised by the hospital at the University of Miami, which means that they made a lot oh. of money off of COVID patients. COVID. Yeah, COVID. Right. Right. So they like, the governor and government just did nothing to try to stop the progress of COVID in the state. Right. The hospital made millions off of the government and insurance, and then they funneled that money into paying some hack who can't even win the Pac-12 championship to be the head of their football program. Exactly. That's 100% true. That's not a conspiracy theory. Not a conspiracy theory. That is an accurate depiction of (laughs) what happened. (laughs) They're a private university. So you said you were investigating a Jupiter, Florida connection. How's that going? Jupiter is just up the road from the University of Miami. And just up the beach. Yeah. So I don't know if we've got like the CIA is shipping cocaine because El Salvador is now a Bitcoin. I don't know why I want Bitcoin to be part of this. I've just been listening to a lot of Bitcoin podcasts lately. And Sam, right. I think we need to start investing in Bitcoin, honestly. Um, yeah. And so El Salvador has gotten 100% Bitcoin in their economy. And the CIA is, you know, uh, funneling drugs into Miami constantly. And most of the Bitcoin economy is just drug dealers dealing drugs. Right. And <clears throat> warlords. And warlords, yeah. Yeah. Blood diamond harvesters. All things I wanted to be as a child growing up. <laughs> <laughs> All right, check this out. Imagine... I've never been to El Salvador. I don't know too many El Salvadorians and I I don't know much about their economy, but I just have to imagine that you have to be in really dire economic straits to look at Bitcoin and be like, oh yeah, that's way more stable than what we have going on right now. <laughs> like we're, we're gonna stabilize our economy by just going full on Bitcoin right now. <laughs> oh man. But it's all worth it because it's all backed by the CIA. It's the CIA that's going to the government of El Salvador and being like, hey, you know what would help us out a lot right now? If you guys would just transfer to Bitcoin because that's going to solve a lot of the the money laundering problems that we have to go through. (laughs) (laughs) To back your brutal anti-communist regimes. Yeah. Anyway, it's all it's all connected. All of it's connected. That's what I'm saying. Right. And is MS-13 aren't they Salvadorian? Ooh, I don't know. I uh, that's a good question. I have no idea. The, right. That's a throwback. That's yeah, a, I would have said Guatemala. Like, like if this is a trivia question. I would have said Guatemala, but that would have been my guess. Wrong. Is it wrong? Is are they from El Salvador? I think so. I'm gonna yeah. look it up right now. You keep yeah. going. I'll keep going. Anyway, those are some good hot takes. Uh, listeners at home, let us know what you think. This is ostensibly a baseball podcast. 
but sometimes we talk often a lot of times we talk about government conspiracies um shout out to everyone who's been listening to the podcast if you listen to us on apple podcast give us a rating a review and a subscription check out last week's episodes we did a thanksgiving feast recap on top of the clock that's a great episode uh, we also talked about the baseball lockout which guess what we're going to talk about again in about two minutes so oh, here we are get ready for that dear listeners here's a fun thing sam uh, last, um looking at our listens from last week all of our friends actually listened to our podcast last week yeah we get yeah. a lot of traction on the thanksgiving episodes Oh, that's, yeah, we do get the friends and family wait for the Thanksgiving <laughs> episode, don't they? Yeah. <laughs> shout out to our yeah. Shout out Brookline, Massachusetts, Trumansburg, New York, Portland, Oregon, Morrisville, Vermont, Champaign, Illinois, Ashburn, Virginia, Barcelona, Spain, New York City, Anaheim, uh, Bend, Oregon, Appleton, Wisconsin, Muhammad, Illinois, Providence, Rhode Island, Great Falls, Montana, Hayworth, Illinois. I think that's like, I could almost name everybody who those people are. There's a couple that I'd have to guess, but that's like friends and family, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But where, where's Putin? That was we got Moscow, up, yeah, no, Moscow was number two behind. Um, wait, wait. Behind Brookline, Massachusetts was number one. Cool. Yeah. OK, good. <laughs> no, he's still listening, but he's going to be we, we have to continue to undermine the Chinese government. We can't be propping it up with this pro-Chinese communist propaganda. If, we want to stay in Putin's good graces. That's true. Yeah. He's not down with China? I think, no, I don't think so. I think they're rivals. I mean, neither of them are cool with us, but I think they see each other as rivals right now. Right. You know, and he's kind like, of- oh, You're pretending to be communist? Right. That was, that was our thing for that so was- long. Yeah. <laughs> Been there, done that, China. Now they're not even pretending. They're just authoritarian yeah. <laughs> kleptocracy. Yeah. <laughs> All right, cool. I'm going to read this headline, Joel, and then I'm just going to let you go for a while. Yeah, let's we'll actually talk about some sports. Let's get into this. Yeah. So we're not going to talk about sports. We're going to talk about labor issues. I feel like this is the podcast. <laughs> this is the episode right now that we've been promising for a while. So the lockout drags on as the MLB owner's lockout enters its second week and not much of anything has changed with no ongoing negotiations between the owners and the players union and no news whatsoever about any kinds of communications going on between the two sides. However, MLB commissioner uh, Manfred, Rob Manfred did write a very sternly worded letter explaining, quote unquote, the lockout to fans and posted it on MLB.com, like his very own live journal. Of course, Manfred's letter is riddled with inaccuracies and falsehoods, not to mention outright lies. So, Joel, I want you to bring us through a couple of these. And then my question to you is, how 
mad are you? I'm so mad, Sam. I am so fucking furious right now. First of all, I have tried, listeners. I tried this week. I know that we have a no research policy on this podcast. I really tried to do research about this issue this week. But Sam, the only thing that's more boring than baseball is reading about the legal issues of labor disputes in baseball or listening to podcasts, other baseball podcasts about the legal labor disputes in baseball. It melted my fucking brain and I can't handle it anymore. So we're going to try to talk about some of these issues, but if you are a listener who really actually does want to learn about this and not just hear jokes about it, the two podcasts I listen to are Tipping Pitches, and the other one is called Left on Baseball, uh, L-O-B, Left, no, Left of Baseball, I think. So check out those two podcasts if you actually want, like, a serious, detailed explanation of the uh, competitive balance tax. Uh, you, you know, right. <clears throat> yeah, no, that's, yeah. That's not us. <laughs> what? We're not going to get into it. We're not going to get here. Yeah. It's like fire and brimstone about this fucking bullshit that's going this on. Fucking bullshit. Okay. So Manfred is just lying about everything that's going on right now. This is not a both yeah. do it kind of issue. Sam, you were talking about that last week, right? That this is not a, a both yeah. sides ism. Um, so I'm going to, this is from uh, an article on cbssports.com by Dane Perry. Follow him on Twitter. He is fucking awesome. Um, and Dane Perry just takes Manfred apart. Um, oh, and then Evan Drellis. We talked about him in the past also. Okay. Point number one. By no, this is a quote. By no reasonable standard have owners made their best effort to forge a new collective bargaining agreement. For quite a long time, we've all known that the player's goal in these negotiations would be to get younger pre-arbitration players, blah, 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 blah. Right now, those players are underpaid to unseemly extremes. None of this is surprising, and the central concerns must at least be discussed if these negotiations are to be remotely fruitful. Owners, however, have not been willing to engage on these points. We talked about this at last all. week. At all. They, not at all. They just, they refused to even come to the table. Right. They, they demanded that the players union drop everything that had to do with pre-arbitration uh, eligible players. Um, and what was the other thing? Um, um, manipulating... Uh, what's service time? No, the other thing was changing uh, free agency eligibility. Right, right, making Those it the two things that they refused to engage. They refused to engage on anything unless Major League Baseball Players Union dropped those two issues. Right, just entirely. They weren't even negotiating on them. They just wanted. No, they wouldn't. Them. They would not even speak about it. Well, and that gets back to the larger point of the lockout, which is this was clearly planned. The owners clearly were like, this is what we're going to do no matter what happens. We're not going to negotiate at all. 
They were just preemptively doing it. And the right. language that Manfred is using is, oh, we were forced to do this, but they right. were like that. Well, is what the, the Manfred is saying mm -hmm. is that the players' union are unwilling to, to negotiate. The uh -huh. play, he said the players are unwilling to negotiate with the league. We're trying to be reasonable. The players are unwilling to negotiate. When the reality is, is the league, what the fucking league said is, we will not negotiate with you at all on these terms. And we will not negotiate about anything, not a single fucking thing, until you drop these two issues right. entirely. Which is, which is the entire meat of the, the debate. They're like, we're just not going to negotiate. Right. right. Because the other thing is a salary floor for teams. They're willing to negotiate on that as long as the players drop everything that has to do with pre-arbitration and free agency. Yeah. No, it's 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 mafia-esque, and we shouldn't even be surprised by that. Yeah. Okay, this is from The Athletic. Uh, the owners would not agree to make a counter on reserve system and luxury tax issues unless the Players Association agreed, this is what you just said, agreed in advance to drop a number of key demands, including the time it takes players to get to free agency and revenue sharing between owners. Such a precondition was something union leadership could not recall seeing before in bargaining, and the players did not agree to the request. So that's what you would just say. Like, yeah. like okay, like then why are we even here? What are we even doing here if the owners are, are preemptively saying we're just not going to negotiate on these issues? It's very frustrating. Now, the one thing, and this will get you mad also, Sam, this is the concept that I took from that left of baseball podcast that I thought was really interesting that they were talking about where at this point, it might not even be about the money from the owner's perspective. It's about their right to de make demands to the players, to tell the players what to do. Right. It's about it, control. It's about control. Yeah. Uh, they were saying that it's possible that, after all the legal, you know, uh, uh, legal fees, hiring lawyers, and then any lost revenue that may come, the owners could come out losing money, you know, rather than just agreeing to negotiate with the players. No, they, it's about control. Right. They're, they're a bunch of fucking narcissists. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> well, they hate baseball too. Here's my other thing. It's yeah. like the owners do not, want to put the best baseball product on the field that they can that's not their goal mm -hmm. their goal is to produce the most revenue for their team and if they can't do that produce the least revenue for their team and declare it as losses either way they're making a shitload of money <clears throat> uh, and that's why you see teams tank tank and tank and tank or go for it because if they can't get it all, then they want nothing. Right. And they yeah. don't think the players should get to be able to make demands of them. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and this gets into like a broader economic sort of American mentality, which is where you have these, this billionaire ruling class, right? There's like 
a handful of them, and they don't feel like they should be beholden to anybody for any reason, regardless of the product that they're supposedly putting out there. They think that they have to call all the shots and like, how dare anybody try to impose any sort of demands to them? How dare they? Right. That is the issue. Um, And this is, we've talked about this uh, further back in the past. Player uh, share of revenue as a percentage has been going down since the steroid era, essentially. Right? Every year, revenue goes up and a greater share of the revenue is staying in the pocket. (laughs) They're refusing to do anything that might counteract that trend, even if it would be good for baseball, right? They're willing to sabotage. They don't give a shit about it. They are willing to sabotage (laughs) the product on the field in exchange for uh, power. Just, and that's it, only for power. I'm looking at the New York Times right now, and this is actually kind of a shitty New York Times article by James Wagner, but there's some interesting points in it. Um, He's quoting Rob Manfred. He says, Manfred concedes, which is bullshit, that a lockout is quote unquote bad for our business, which is still utter bullshit. I mean, like it might be ironically true, but not in the way that Manfred means that it's true. You know what I'm saying? Um, like he's full of shit. The interesting thing, right. Yeah. The interesting thing about that statement from Rob Manfred, which the whole the whole letter, the thing that really pissed me off about that letter is that he just wrote this blatantly false, complete bullshit letter and just like believes like expects people to swallow it whole like this is the most bullshit that i've ever read in my life he's like oh this is bad for business a lockout is bad for business and it's like motherfucker if this shit was so bad for business why didn't you try anything else before you just locked out immediately that was the first thing that you fucking did as soon as you possibly could you didn't wait a single hour before you locked out the league bad for business like try something else Uh, they why Mm. they don't see the players as equals they don't see the players as anything more than the product on the field. And right. they think, and I'm thinking about Steve Cohen, you know how much I hate Steve Cohen. The owners think sure. they're the great geniuses who make baseball work. Right. Right. But they're here's the thing is the owners don't see the players as the product on the field. The product to the owners is not baseball. It's not the game of baseball. It's the value of their baseball teams. That's the product to them. And they don't need, like, they don't need to win a fucking game for that product to gain value. And, you know, if they do win games, then the value will go up faster, but they can do nothing. Yeah. Like I say this all the time, the Kansas City Royals are 10 times more valuable in in 2018 than they were in 2001, right? 
You buy them for a hundred million dollars, you sell them for a billion dollars. Probably yeah. the least valuable franchise in Major League Baseball. Yeah. Mm. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I've got some questions I want to ask you. Do, what else did you have to say? No, no, I'm just riffing right now. I'm just okay. like straight anger. Okay, <clears throat> I take a little bit of a half step backwards because here's a quote. This is in the New York Times from this guy, Professor Jarvis from Nova Southern East uh, University, which sounds like a either a made-up university or a Canadian university. <clears throat> uh, That's probably a baseball school. A, yeah. Nova Southeastern University. He teaches baseball law at Nova Southeastern. <laughs> None of that's real. <laughs> it's an umpire university, actually. That's what? An umpire university. It's yeah, definitely an umpire university. All right. So Professor Jarvis is saying he's making the argument for why the lockout might backfire on ownership. I don't uh -huh. buy his argument, but I think it's right. He says, the moment that you declare a lockout, you really push fans into the players' camp. You really play into the players' <laughs> argument that, hey, even though we are the reason that you're coming to see the games, you won't be able to see the games because of what management did. It is much better for management to force the players to go on strike so that management can say, hey, we want the games to go on. It's the players who are refusing to show up. Do you buy that? I mean, I, I don't see the... Here's the thing, is I feel like, you know, the people at Fox News and Barstool Sports, probably, right. uh, and Parler, I don't know, are probably pushing this owner's narrative okay which yeah. is the players are being selfish look at these look at how much money we just spent on free agency leading up to this lockout which they forced us to do even though we clearly are so into spending money and and i feel like you know they're going to rely on that narrative to be pushed the yeah. thing that i don't see is i don't see that i don't see that that I feel like there's going to be other ways that the truth is going to get out there, mm -hmm. specifically from the players and social media. Yeah. Itself. You know what I mean? Yeah, 100% agree. And that's going to be a challenge for the players union, honestly. Right. How can they best organize and get their uh, narrative out there? And, you know, and we've talked about this a lot. Create a narrative, man. Like, this is like, yeah. it's pretty cut and dry. Sure. Major League Baseball is pulling in money hand over fist, and it's at a much higher rate than like wages are going up for the players. And it's pretty straightforward, you know. And the players are like, hey, why are some of our best players have to wait four years to even get a raise, you know? Mm -hmm. that's, that's it. That's what they got to do. We got to get you on the phone with Tony Quirk right now. <laughs> um, oh, I'm reading about Bud Selig right now. That's making me even nadder. Um, okay, next quote from Michael Leroy, 
professor and sports labor expert at the University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign, another made-up school. Um, right now, the calendar favors ownership, said Leroy. Players can't sign free agent deals, and they're going to get anxious about that. But if players are able to hold fast through January or February, the advantage shifts to the players. It's not very common, but there are times that lockouts convert to strikes. My concern about this is that a lockout would not be resolved quickly and that in time it would morph into a strike and it would last into spring training and beyond. So the question is that these two groups, ownership and, well, I keep doing this because ownership, the important thing to know that we're trying to repeat over and over again is that ownership has uh, on their own decided to lock out the players. And they're trying to craft a narrative that this is both sides refusing to negotiate when that is bullshit. The owners had already decided that they were going to lock out the players and the owners had already decided that they are going to refuse to negotiate with the players union. However, there is this issue where, as you do with any kind of labor negotiation, they're both playing a game of chicken, where are you really going to, you know, in, let's say, you're in a teacher's union, and you're negotiating your three-year contract with your employer, every time you negotiate, it comes down to the last possible second because it's in the interest of both sides to avoid a strike, but it's only when the threat of that strike becomes absolutely imminent does either side actually make the necessary concessions to avoid the strike, right? You, right. You, well, and if they lose playing play time 2022 season, uh-huh. so they lose, then it would be too, like, they barely played baseball in 2020. Right. Well, so we haven't be talked about that. Yeah. Huh? Well, we haven't even talked about the, the COVID year yet and the impact on both sides that the COVID year might have. The point that I wanted to make, and we need to get this uh, Professor Leroy, I should go to his office and see if he'll come on the podcast. Uh, right. Is that they're playing a game of chicken. And they're both yeah. thinking that the other team is gonna is gonna do it, you know, pull them to the side like in that movie Footloose at the last second and give in because they don't want to actually miss playing games. Right. <clears throat> like I think the most likely outcome is that we don't like we probably lose spring training games, but I don't think we lose. I mean, we might. I don't know. I think the most likely outcome is you go right up to March 31st opening day and then you make a deal. That's right. what I think the most likely outcome is going to be. Yep. I think that, I think the players should just burn it down. Yeah. Yeah. Starting I think the players should force the, the owners to lock out as, you know, indefinitely until they get what they want because what they want is not ridiculous 
But and, and it would be good. That's our other point. Okay. Point number one, Rob Manfred is always lying. Point number two, right. this is not a both sides are doing it kind of thing. This is the owners making the decision on their own to do it. Right. Point number because three. They don't feel like they should have to negotiate with the players at mm -hmm. all. Yeah. They feel like they should just be able to set terms and the players have to swallow them. And then what was point three? Oh, point three, the recommendations that the players are making would actually be good for the sport of baseball. It would make right. baseball better. Right. Yeah. And these, the thing is, is that if the both sides of this were interested in protecting the game of baseball then there probably would be a path forward but as it is right now the owners don't give a shit about the game of baseball no like this is just this is just like a side hustle for them and you know this is like a, a no-brainer investment for these billionaires and like that's all billionaires do you know and the idea that they would ever have to like not do things the way they wanted to based on the whims of their workers is just completely alien to them. Yeah. Right? Yes, of course. I mean, you look at most of their backgrounds and Hughes actually, I don't know, Sam, we should do a deep dive on this at some point. I actually think that like the Yankees ownership might be better than mo the other 29 owners because the Yankees, like they depend on the Yankees for their revenue, for their livelihood to a degree. Right. Right. It's the Yankees, the Dodgers, Cardinals, you know, Dodgers. Uh, Dodgers. No, the Dodgers are a conglomerate, I think. Yeah, right. Magic Johnson. Um, there's a few teams that are family run. Yeah. And then the Braves are. Uh, publicly traded, right? They're the only publicly traded baseball team. I they're owned by a publicly traded company. Yeah, I think that's it. Um, and 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 the that's the interesting yeah. thing because the Braves they won the World Series this year. They're like the only team in Major League Baseball that's publicly owned, uh, pub owned by a publicly traded company, which means that you get to see their revenue. Oh, and you, did you read anything about this? I have like not. the revenue the Atlanta Braves pulled in this year was, was granted they won the World Series, but it was like fucking astronomical. It was like so much fucking money. It's ridiculous. So this is Forbes uh, and they've got to be estimating revenue versus income operating. I mean, Revenue versus operating costs. Right. They estimate that the Yankees probably lost money this year. And they're probably, oh, maybe the Mets. They've got the Mets losing a little bit of money. Everybody else made ridiculous amounts of money. The Dodgers had operating costs of 116 million, revenue of 185 million. The Red Sox had costs. 70 million revenue, 152 million, right? Now, wait, wait, how is that possible though? 
I don't know. This is Forbes. Now, the value, the Yankees are valued at $5.2 billion. The Red Sox no, value. I feel like $70 million is the, like, is like uh, J.D. Martinez plus Chris Sale plus Nate Evaldi, and that's $70 million. Oh, that's a good point. Like the salary cap is $214 million, and I feel like the that's I feel like point. the Red Sox I'm reading this. Maybe I'm reading this chart wrong. What Not the it? salary cap, the luxury threat tax yeah. threshold. $212 million. And the Red Sox were just under that. Right. What do you think the difference between revenue and operating income is? No idea. Yeah. Anyway, go to Forbes.com. They'll let you know how much ridiculous money. <laughs> Forbes.com, read that article and then tell us what it means, please. Because that shit does not make any sense to me. Does not make any sense <clears throat> to me at all. <laughs> um, yeah, I totally read that wrong. Um Gosh, I've got all these tabs open, and I kind of want to just share them. Everybody's all mad. Uh, the winter meetings were canceled. Rightly so, though. Right? This is yeah. ridiculous. And yeah. here's the thing, though. Here's the thing that, like, makes me really mad. Yeah. Is that Major League Baseball is just banking on the fact that the fans are fucking idiots. Yeah. And, and yeah. Like, that's what really makes me angry, is that, like, the 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 owners the league is is trying to paint this picture as like this is what the players are doing and they're just like they're saying that it's completely untrue and like it's so easy to verify that that's untrue right like all you have to do is like click on any article about the lockout and unless it's on mlb.com it's going to be like this is what happened right because that's what happened and it doesn't look good for the owners but they just think that they can like write this letter and be like oh this is from the commissioner of baseball rob manfred he's the commissioner of baseball and it's like it's a pack of lies and and it's insulting it's insulting to baseball fans that they would try and pull this shit on us am i wrong no you're right you're totally right you would have said right here's my fear okay my fear is that you look at like the pyramid of baseball fans, okay? And I feel like we, like people like you and me and the people I follow on Twitter and the podcasts I listen to are like the top little point of the triangle, which is like 5% of people who are really invested and read all these dumb articles and listen to all these dumb podcasts and then make their own dumb podcast about other people's podcasts. And that's like top 5% and they hate the owners, right? And then I uh -huh. feel like there's this middle tier that's like 20 to 25% of, of the fans who hate the players, don't understand why anyone gets paid more than a million dollars to wear pajamas and, and play a child's game and thinks that they could throw a fastball 95 miles an hour or hit a fastball at 95 miles an hour. And they really wish Fernando Tatis would stop 
flipping his bat so much because it's an insult to the game of baseball. <laughs> yeah. And, and those they, people live somewhere in Florida. Probably. A lot of Cardinals fans in that second right. year. A lot of Cardinals <laughs> oh, Those are all the people that go to, to spring training and are like, oh, yeah, this is where the real baseball happens. Yeah. down here to spring training. <laughs> and then there's like the 60% who are like, wait, I thought the Dodgers made it to the World Series last year, too. And you have to be like, yeah, they did, but it was COVID. You know what I'm saying? Like, Right. That's the, those are, we call those Yankees fans. Right. Or like, wait, I thought Alex Rodriguez was still playing. You know, like. Yeah. It's gonna be, yeah, Yankees fans. It's going to be about convincing those Yankees fans that we're right. That's going to be the challenge. All right. Um, now I'm all riled up, Sam. Thanks a lot. The thing, I don't know. No, no, I think we're good. I think we said everything we needed to say. Um, yeah. We need to, but it's going to be a long off season. So we got to plan this shit out. If you're listening and you want to come and yell about how much you want to hate the rich people with us please let us know tweet at me at dump up it's not the rich people it's like the ultra rich people yeah right the players are rich people do not forget that max scherzer just signed a 140 million dollar contract to play for three years like into his 40s you know this is going to keep saying like they being manfred is going to keep saying hey we're the only league without a salary cap and max scherzer just got you know a three-year 120 million dollar contract that only happens in baseball right but not Tatis got, you know, whatever, 12 years, $320 million. Can't go to the NFL and get that kind of a deal. Well, no, because the NFL is terrible and also a different sport. Mm. I am going to read a book called Baseball Cop. Have you heard about this book? No. Uh, It's about uh, baseball trying to self trying and failing to self-police itself during the steroid era. And I, I just read the first couple of chapters. It's, I'm liking it a lot. And I would like to do a whole episode on it. But the one takeaway I've gotten is that Rob Manfred has always been a dickhead. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> Like, it's like the year 2000, and it's like Rob Manfred, head of the internal labor division at Major League Baseball, was being a fucking dickhead. Right. And also, okay, this is for another podcast, but we haven't even talked about the fact that Major League Baseball secretly used two kinds of baseballs. This we year. do need to talk about that. Yes, I have been reading about that, and we need to get... Uh, should be illegal, like that should be criminal. Yep, yep, yep. yep. That's the sort of thing that Congress should step in on and yep. be like, "Whoa, uh, Meredith, play that." Uh, what's her name? Meredith Wills, I think her name is. 
She's a prof- another professor. I need to get some of these smoke people on this podcast, man. Um, she was tweeting about that, and she kind of broke this story about baseball using two different... Yeah, Dr. Meredith Wills at BBL Astrophysics. She's a PhD in astrophysics, and she's a huge baseball fan, and she loves knitting also. Follow her on Twitter. She's the best follower on Twitter. And she's been talking about this fucking a lot. This is great, terrifying stuff. We will do an episode about that later this offseason. The other one is Craig Calcaterra. I believe they are all hard seeds. Follow him on Twitter also. He's great. He got fired from NBC Sports for being too cool. (laughs) All right. Uh, Sam, we got to stop because I'm just so mad and sweaty and now I'm all <laughs> it's bad <laughs> ladies and gentlemen uh thank you so much for listening again this has been dump on the ump ostensibly a baseball podcast hopefully there's going to continue to be baseball someday in the future um follow us on twitter at dump on the ump you can also follow us on facebook and instagram uh and listen to the podcast if you're listening to us on apple podcasts Give us a rating, a review, and a subscription. You can also follow us on Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcasts. Um, One other thing. Fuck, I was going to say, and then I forgot what it was. Uh, Yeah, let us know what you think about Tweet at us. Uh, If you want to come on the podcast and yell about which people do it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. Oh, Check out our old episodes about Thanksgiving and clock on top of the clock. Do that. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening. For Sam, my name is Joel. Have a good evening and a pleasant tomorrow. I'm going to leave you and the time is long. No, the time ain't long. If you don't believe I'm leaving, count the days I'm gone.